Hey Life Can, Roger here, so glad that you're joining us. Uh, if you're a returning listener, just want to welcome you back. Thank you for your support and your faithfulness. Uh, if you're a brand new listener, welcome for the first time. Um, I hope that you like what you hear here. We believe that you belong. And if you are new, our hope is that you would feel belonging in this community. Um, there's a couple ways you can do that, not just by listening to our messages, but also by filling out a connect card, letting us know who you are, uh, what you're interested in, uh, or just requesting different information about the church. Uh, fill one of those out on our Church Center app or on our website, so that way we can reach out to you and get you connected. Um, also, I want to remind whether you're just showing up or been here for a while, that God is up to a lot at this church, and that he has a mission and a vision for our church. And one of the ways you can participate in that vision is by supporting it financially. Uh, so be sure to take the opportunity, again via the Church Center app, uh, to give to support the mission of what God is doing at this church. Uh, so today we are in uh, our last week on re- the series Revival, our 21 Days of Prayer series. Um, we've been talking about what revival looks like and some of the ways that we think God is up to, uh, could be up to revival in this community and how we position ourselves to participate in that. Uh, today you're going to hear a pretty awesome message from Bridget Reynolds, who's our Director of Volunteers. Uh, this is her first time preaching, and we're just so excited that she is going to preach for us and, and that she's taking advantage of this opportunity that God has given her to uh, speak with her voice about revival. Uh, she's going to speak a little bit about what it means to have a godly perspective and what that has to do with revival. So give that a listen, and I'll catch up with you in just one moment. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel, and the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. 
Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you are looking for. Why have you come? They said, We were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up, I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside, where many others were assembled. Peter told them, You know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this, or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius replied, Four days ago I was praying in my house about this same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses, We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying these things, The Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. 
the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, Can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. Hey, family. My name is Sister Bridget, not Reverend Bridget, not Pastor Bridget, not Elder Bridget, just Bridget. And today I have three observations that I would like to share for you today that I have observed in Acts chapter 10. So, number one, God wants to give you his perspective God wants to give you his perspective. Number two, God wants you to persevere in the gospel. God wants you to persevere in the gospel. And number three, God wants to give you the peace of his presence. God wants to give you the peace of his presence. Let's just pray real quick. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you for the opportunity to just rightly divide the word of truth with, your, with our family here today, Lord God. Let me decrease and let your word and your power increase in our time together. Let your will be done. Have your will. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So let's try to unpack this first truth, which I believe is true which is God wants to give you his perspective. So as I was reading Acts chapter 10, I couldn't help but get the impression that we serve a God who sees. We have a God who sees. He sees us. He sees to it. Also, when I think about that word God who sees, sometimes we think about the word um, um, or the name of God, which is Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. We sing songs about him. But I couldn't help but also think about Hagar, who was the first one who identified as a God being a God who sees when she was in the wilderness. She saw her. So this is one of the things that is a characteristic of our God. So if this is a characteristic of our God, then we should be able to embody that characteristic as well, being have, have his perception in the way that he sees things. But I don't know if you've noticed in the Bible that th- sometimes there's stories where God doesn't see things the way that, like, people typically see things. And the way that he sees things is, like, a little unorthodox and just, like, unconventional wisdom. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, I believe in our particular story in in Acts chapter 10 that the conventional wisdom of Peter's day was that Jewish people did not associate with Gentiles, okay? They don't go into their house. They don't eat food that's common. Basically, they had dietary and social um, restrictions, if you will, to keep themselves clean. But as a result of those laws, Peter himself, he, he saw himself differently. Not only did he see himself differently, he saw others differently. 
Bottom line, he treated other people differently. He was prejudiced. Basically, if you ain't a Jew, sucks to be you, okay? So pre prejudiced people, basically he prejudged, he prejudged the people who were different from him. So I'm sure that in Peter's point of view, when he had that vision, he had some like visceral knee-jerk reaction, seeing all these reptiles and birds and all this food coming down that he cannot eat. It is totally off the menu. And he just clutched his pearls like, uh-uh, I have never eaten that before in my life. And I ain't about to start today. But a voice responded, don't call unclean that which I have called clean. He had that same vision, not once, not twice, but three times. Basically, it was really hard for to, that, um, just basically to penetrate that perception that he has, that perception that God wants us to gain. And there's two ways that you can gain God's perception. This is what I gleaned. Prayer is the precursor to getting God's perspective. Prayer is the precursor to getting God's perspective. You know, in our reading, both Cornelius and Peter are both men of prayer. And prayer is nothing but an earthly invitation for heaven's intervention, all right? Simply, we're just talking to God. We're having a conversation, but it is not one-sided. It is a two-way street. You're talking, you're listening, but you're also responding. And typically, our prayer time is typically like we have like a request. And God tells us, you know, asking and it shall be given, seeking you shall find, knocking the door shall be open. He wants you to make your request be made known unto God. But the Bible also says that God already knows what you have need of before you even ask. So that makes you think about your prayer time as well. So not to say that it's wrong, but it's just a reminder that we do serve a God who sees and that maybe we should start thinking about our time when we're in prayer as an opportunity to commune with God to be intimate with him and to share those different things and to keep company with God. When you draw nigh to God, God draws nigh to you. And so while Peter was prepared to have his prayer time on that rooftop, God saw Peter because we serve a God who sees and he began to make moves on his mind. We also gain God's perspective. This is another way through knowing and applying the word of God. <laughs> I feel led to say this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Okay? It's enough of this head knowledge stuff. We got to get our head work, our heart work, and our homework. Okay? So you, get, you, get the, you take the time and you devour the word of God in your prayer time. OK. Or on. Hey, when you're on this, we don't have subways here, but, you know, in, in your commute time, <laughs> um, personally, I, you know what? Just your mileage will vary. Sometimes I used to have an actual index card and I'll talk more about that later in the takeaways and I'll have it on my dashboard and it will be a scripture. So when I'm at a stoplight, therefore, I am controlling what's going on in my ear gates and in my eye gate. 
because you got to protect those things if you're going to have God's perspective because we're constantly moving and bumping up against the world and you basically you become who you hang around. Bad company corrupts good character, but it also works the other way around. So are you keeping company with God? Is he rubbing off on you? But in this context, Peter heard from the Holy Spirit himself. And basically, it was like, look, I sent some dudes to you. I don't need you to hold up anything. I don't need you to doubt. Look, I sent them, okay? So they got my approval. I sent them. I did that. Peter has said numerous times in the book of Acts, like, is it better for me to serve God? I mean, obey God or man? I'm going to obey God. So basically, God gave him a cheat code and just got on his level like, look, this is about to go down. Okay? So I believe that there are things that God wants to do in us and through us. So I'm going to read to you Acts chapter 10, 34 through 35, and it reads in the King James Version. It says, then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, no favoritism. He can't be swayed. He's a God of integrity, nothing missing, nothing broken. Okay? But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. So in other words, oh, God don't love me because I'm Jewish? Hmm. So you're saying that God loves me just because he, he loves me? Yeah, he just loves you because he loves you. It just, he just loves you because that's who he is. God is love. So he's just working his character. That's just who, he's just that God, you know? So what are the consequences, though, when we don't see as God sees? Having an outdated thinking can cause harm not only to yourself, but it can also put others at risk. You know, um, we like to say that this particular sermon is like part two to Jared's sermon that was on December the 18th for Simeon's Praise. So if you want to check that one out, I strongly suggest that you do that or bookmark that. Um, But he mentioned a great example of a doctor that um, suggested washing your hands in between patients giving birth. Um, But basically, people rejected that suggestion. But in that particular, but I'm going to bring you back to our text about how this played out in our scenario is that in that moment, in that scripture, that, you know, God doesn't help show any favoritism. In that moment, he basically gave Peter the cliff notes of the Imago Dei that we see in Genesis 127, that every human being is made in the image of God, that is a reflection of God, that um, basically has his um, the inherent value and dignity and worth. Because just imagine going your whole life being told the opposite of that that you're not worthy, that you're not enough, that you're not, that you're beneath me, that you're nothing. How can you say that you love a God that you haven't seen, but you don't love a man that you have seen in the flesh? So basically, Peter's perception, it it wasn't lining up. So God had to prepare his heart. And as a result of him being obedient to God, the guard was dropped 
between that, that dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles, it was torn down. And there was a receptiveness to this gospel message that was being presented, that, that Cornelius was waiting for him and his crew, his family, that was up in there deep in that house. And they was waiting for a word from the Lord. They had expectation on their hearts. You see, God's perspective is a better perspective. And not seeing things God's way can cause harm to yourself and to others. He could have stayed home and they wouldn't have got that message. And Cornelius would have just been that swell old guy doing the things, but don't have the salvation plan for mankind. The second consequence of not having, um, not having God's perspective is that you can stall the work of the ministry and cause yourself to walk in disobedience and just being a hindrance. So Peter was basically not walking in obedience. Here's a layman's definition of obedience. Obedience is doing the last thing that God told you to do. All right? What was the last thing that God told him to do? In Acts 1.8, he basically said that I want you to go and I want you to um, be my witnesses in Judea. I want you to be um, in Jerusalem, in your city, in Judea, in the state, in Samaria, maybe the country, and then into the ends of the earth. Everybody else and everywhere else. Okay? He wasn't doing the thing that he was supposed to do. What was he doing? What was he doing? Do you know that in Acts chapter 2, if I'm not mistaken, is that when a Pentecost happened, that was like in, from chapter 2 to where we are now in 10, a whole decade has passed by. What you doing? Not being about the business of believing and doing what you're supposed to do. Unfortunately, he started filtering things through his cultural filters and frameworks and rationalizing. Well, they must have to be Jewish in order for this work to go out and to do this. No, just do the thing. So basically, what I love about this is that Cornelius told him, it was good for you to come. It was good. Cornelius was relieved to see Peter. And he, because he invited, like I said, all his family friends, he didn't want, like, look, I think I'm crazy, I'm seeing angels. <laughs> no. But where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst. Our God is in the midst. And he even said, the presence, we're here in the presence of the Lord. What you got to say? We have ears to hear. And if they have ears to hear, let them hear. Wonderful. So, bottom line, family, that couldn't have happened if he's still stuck on his prejudice point of view. We have to understand that God's ways are not our ways, and God's thoughts are not our thoughts. What father wouldn't want his children to reflect who he is? God wants his children to reflect him, and God wants his children to have his perspective. God wants us to have his perspective, which brings us to our next truth, is that God wants you to persevere in the gospel. Let me tell you the definition about persevere. So persevere means to persist, to go on resolutely, not stub or stubbornly, in spite of opposition and opportunity, um, warning, to remain unchanged, dogged, fixed, unwavering. You're insistent with repetition and pressing of an utterance. Or in this case, the spoken word. Not a question or opinion in this case, but in this message. This message of a, the written word, 
the spoken word and embodied word of Jesus Christ. You know, in Acts chapter 10, he began to share that gospel of the message, that good news, that it is possible to have peace with God. And man, it's being right standing with him, to be in relationship with him until eternity, throughout all eternity. And Peter began to do this simple presentation and just running down Jesus' rap sheet. Now, when it comes to the explosion of the church that we see in Acts chapter 10, no, or let's say just Acts period, that, you know, Peter, Philip, Paul, whatever, they were just vehicles for God. But everything is about this gospel message, this death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This man, this God-made man, fully God, fully man, this Jesus of Nazareth. He was appointed and anointed to be the Messiah, to come and to save us from the consequences of our sin, which is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And it makes me think, like, if salvation is a gift, shouldn't we be Utilizing our gift, sharing our gift, right? Not keeping it to ourselves, not keeping it in the package, not throwing it in a corner until December 2023. We come here every Sunday, and I know a lot of people like coming to this church, but if your main focus is that I am coming here to celebrate the resurrection of our God. We're missing it. We're missing it. If the resurrection didn't happen, we could all pack it up and go home. It had to happen. We would still be dead in our sins. You know, we can do that YOLO life. We can just live however you want. If, you know, if this thing was just about 70, 80, 85 years, yes, we can have the excuse to be selfish. But this is about eternity here. Keep the main thing the main thing. Sometimes we just get all distracted. And sometimes we just decide to just boy blind. What's up with that? God didn't call his people to be ignorant. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Amen. Hmm. But you know what? To help us to maintain the godly perspective, we need to realize that at the foot of the cross, it's a level playing field there. Okay? So, let's see. I believe it'll work if you work it, but uh, one thing I want us to have this mindset is that this gospel message ain't just for newbies. It is for every single day living. It is not for you to get your gift and put it on the shelf. It is for you to just keep it front and center in your face, preaching the gospel to yourself every single day to help keep the guilt away that you don't have to carry anymore because it's already been done. It's already finished. It also helps you to be able to give Jesus to other people because people, we need grace. It helps you to extend grace. It helps you to realize, wow, I, you know, person who's forgiven them much, they love much. They, they, they ain't quick to be like, you know, walking around with a big old beam in their eye and trying to tell you what to do. So, It's important that it helps us when we start to 
when it comes down to this persevering that we keep going, even in the midst of our trials, even in the midst of our circumstances, that we be determined to take our stand. It helps us to become gospel fluent. So when we read verses like, therefore go and make disciples, it makes us not to put a question mark where God has put a period. Let's try that again. It makes us not put a question mark where God has put a period. You know something. How long have you been in the faith? I don't care how long you've been in the faith. You've been in the faith one minute. You can share. No more excuses. Time out for that, church. We have to do better than just doing the bare minimum. God deserves more because he paid it all. I already told y'all the resurrection is everything. It's hemmed up in the reason why we're here. And we have to continue to make this front and center and keep it our priority. God wants to give you his perspective. God wants you to be persevering in that gospel. And God wants to give you the peace of his presence. Honestly, if you do the last two, you're going to have the peace of his presence because you accepted the gospel. And then you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Redemption means he's coming back. It means that the hope that we have is not equivalent to the hope that the world has. It's not, not apples and apples. It's apples and oranges. I don't know which fruit you like, but just know that our stuff is different because we have a confidence he's coming back. Because everything that they said that Jesus, the Messiah, everything that the prophet said, he got dead, death, burial, resurrection. Peter ate with the dead man. He's in Cornelius' living room. How can you compete with that? Come on. So you get the peace of his presence. One thing I wanted to highlight was verses 44 through 46. In Acts chapter 10, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. So basically, it was a Holy Ghost interruption. Like Peter wasn't even done talking. You would think, how rude. (laughs) But we serve a sovereign God. He was... Man, he was in the presence. He was ready. Like, okay, I'm about to get. <laughs> Woo! I'm about to show up and show out. <laughs> he was ready, and he did. The circumcised believers who came with Peter was astonished. They were like, "Wow!" The same thing that happened in Acts chapter two. The Holy Spirit poured out on the, the Jews. It, it happened to the Gentiles. Oh, God. I kind of had a question mark where God put a period. He really does accept all people. He really is Lord of all. Oh, what a concept. Because I know that even though this, mind you, to, from Joppa to Caesarea, that was like a four-day trip, right? So maybe two days to get there, two days to get back. I'm pretty sure there was still probably a little bit of doubt going on. Or maybe the Holy Spirit just waxed it all out. But I'm, I'm for sure that the Holy Ghost, that. That conversion experience, it does something not only for the people who are experiencing it, but it also does something for the people who are on the outside. That's why we get so excited with New Life Sundays and stuff like that, okay? Here's the bottom line. If revival is not just bringing new life, Last week, Jared said that revival is also a harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. This harvest, the harvest that was happening in that room, 
the reaping of souls because the souls, it was ripe. God saw Cornelius. I'll even go to the extent of saying that God was drawing Cornelius before Cornelius even know it. Because that's, according to his word, um, typically flesh um, wars after spirit, spirit wars after flesh, and that in and of our own strength, we don't even want things of the spirit. Okay? But when he basically put that in there, I guess maybe Roman, you know, Roman centurion, he was shopping around because idol worship was really big in that day. But God saw him. God saw Cornelius. But you know what he saw? What he did give us a fragrance. But why? It was an offering up to him. God saw his heart, and he is looking for the heart of his believers. And just hearing that, speaking and praising God in tongues, man, that, sometimes you just need that, that spirit, the God's presence to help you to seal that deal. We're going to roll on to some takeaways. All right, so where do we go from here? He told me to do all this stuff, but what that look like? So this is what I'll invite you to do. I got some ideas. I'm trying not to say the world in one message. Um, but <laughs> I will invite you to read the book of Luke and the book of Acts, okay? The reason why is because Luke wrote Acts and he wrote Luke. Thank you. I like to think, I see, I love Luke because Luke is a Gentile. Out of the four Gospels, he's the only Gentile, so he had to go and do his homework. He wasn't with, you know, he wasn't on the scene, so he had to go put things together. But his vantage point is that this is God in his humanity. This is the Son of Man, okay? I like to look at this book as a fubu book. For us Gentiles, by us Gentiles, okay? So, Typically, we read certain things, but when we read the Bible, we just maybe read just sections. I just want to encourage you, if somebody sends you a letter, you're going to read the whole entire thing, okay? So I just want to admonish you, if you can, read Luke, read Acts, and um, be able to see God and to um, see the proliferation of this gospel message, okay? So we can become more gospel fluent. Read the book, okay? Eat the book. Scripture snacks. Woo! All right. So this was in my spirit. Now, I did this a lot with my kids, before my kids. were. So these are like older than my kids. Um, but this was dropped in my spirit. The technology is accessible. It's a four by six card, and you put scriptures on it. So when you're in your prayer time, you're devouring, you're masticating, you're chewing the word of God, and you're allowing it to get into your mind, and then you're allowing it to get into your heart so you can be able to apply it and do your homework by sharing it in your communities, okay? So this, and this one, the first one says, and it's funny, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Yes, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. A lot of people say, like, Bridget, you always got a scripture. You know, flesh creature, you got to work at it. Simple as that. Last but not least, hey, group Sunday, whoa. But let's keep it 100. Some of y'all will be like, I like to have my time back, and I might not do that. So you you might not be able to find a group, one of the two or three, or y'all going to be obedient and go out there and figure out what's getting where you fit in. And if you can, maybe you decide that you will be a host. But I really want to make sure, uh, just try to wrap this up in a bow, Um, 
being in community and being in proximity also helps with your perspective as well. Because sometimes people can hold you accountable or be able to see things in you that you probably don't even see in yourself and to be able to call that thing out, okay? So those are three things I'm not going to overwhelm you that you can do in order to work this out. Or if you say like, you know, Bridget, I do all that stuff and you want to talk more, I'm all about practical Christianity. I believe it'll work if you work it. I am full of ideas. So you can feel free to pick my brain. Let's go to the throne of grace this time. Father God, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for the people who are under the sound of my voice. Everyone has been so awesome and so supportive. Um, But it is my prayer today that your people are reminded of their identity in you, in Christ, and that they allow this gospel message not to be something for the newbies, something that's a long time ago, but it'll be their foundation, their filter, and their framework for their everyday life and reason for being, Lord God. If there is someone who doesn't know you, Lord God, I just pray that you continue to draw and massage on their hearts to be able to seek so that you may be found, Lord God. We love you, Lord, and we worship you for all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed that message. Uh, it was such a powerful message from Bridget, and we're, we're so blessed to hear it. Um, and I hope that her uh, discussion of um, staying rooted in the gospel and uh, seeking a godly perspective and seeing things through God's eyes as you position yourself to experience revival uh, not only inspired you, but challenged you to take advantage of uh, these last week we have of a time of prayer and fasting in our community. Uh, if you're going through anything, uh, whether you're processing something from the merit, the message, or whether you just have general needs or concerns, uh, if we could pray for you, we would love to do that, connect with you. So again, fill out a connect card so we, we can help uh, not only uh, pray for you, but just connect to you uh, and get you involved in this community for people who uh, would love to care for you. Um, also, don't forget that next week is our annual celebration. We are looking forward to celebrating what God has done this year uh, and, and talking about uh, just how good he's been this year. I hope you have a blessed week, uh, and I will speak again with you next week.